Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The 11 to 1 show. LMFM. 11 to 1 on LMFM with Sinead Brazel. Kiss. Oh yeah, Prince kicking us off this Wednesday morning. Sinead Brazel here with you. Hope you're keeping well. 086-1800-658 if you'd like to get in touch. I was scrolling through Instagram and was checking out all the back to school pictures and one that I stumbled across brought back some really funny memories, right? In the picture, the three kids are holding signs, right? So two of them have, you know, like what class they're going into on the signs and they're in their uniform and the youngest has a brilliant sign saying, my daddy dressed me. (laughs) Now the child is clearly away off to Montessori or something and was dressed in the most clashing colours that I've ever seen and I just laughed because number one the mom in question was making sure that everybody on the gram knew that she didn't pick this clashing calamity for her adorable child it was daddy but also it brought me back to our eldest going off to Montessori and on the odd occasion that her dad would be dropping her in he would have her in the most horrific looking clothes like horrendous so I felt for a little clashing man this morning uh, so much so by the way that I'd start you know leaving the clothes out with strict instructions put these on her not this is the outfit it's all matching well even down to the socks which he still will mock me about this to this day but you know it's well matched and it looks nice you know well this one particular day right I collected the eldest now uh, but I put out this lovely corduroy purple dress, right? So you essentially what you do is you slip the child's arms into it, right? Kind of like a jacket and you zip the zip up to the front and it kind of goes like halfway and then you'd wear like a polar neck or something underneath this particular dress. One of these kind of things, right? Well, <laughs> I can still see it in my mind. When I collected the child, right? The dress was practically choking her. Right? It was all the way up to her neck. <laughs> Can you not? She looked like she had no neck. And the zip was at the back, halfway down the back, right? And I said... <laughs> I said to the girls in the Montessori, what on earth is going on with this dress? What What's going on? And they said, oh, we didn't want you to think that we were being smart, like, by 
around <laughs> the child's dress around and then of course they were trying to you know not not laugh at my horrified expression of this this child with the dress absolutely choking her you know <laughs> so, and I, I says to her well that gambine of a dad of hers has dressed her this morning at this stage the girls collapsed into a fit of laughter I said look at from now on if she looks like she's been dressed by a fool in the dark you have my full permission to actually fix her you know <laughs> another time the poor child he sent her into the creche for the full day with just jeans no underwear no underwear on the child I don't know what it is. Did you ever have a scenario like this in your house? Dads, what do you like? You're literally putting the first thing on them. I once uh, saw a child stumble into the creche in wintertime in flip-flops. The dad had dressed her. Come on, what's going on? Dad's dressing. It did make me laugh this morning, though, when I saw the sign, my daddy dressed me. That's the thing, isn't it? You need to... Mams don't want to, they don't want their kids going into school or into crash looking like half dishevelled children that got dressed in the dark with mismatched things. <laughs> Absolutely love it. If that was in a scenario in your house, let me know. Has your husband, partner, the dad of your children dressed them in anything mad? Let me know. 086 658 Dads, are you guilty of this? Is it just that you put your first hand to something and fling it on the child and that's the end of it? Let me know. 86 658 There's Pink with Perfect and LMFM's 11 to 1. Excitement has been building for quite some time but now visitors to Scotch Hall in Drogheda can enjoy a brand new cinema. We're going to be finding out more about this with Mark Anderson. He's the director of Omniplex Cinemas. He's going to be joining us next. The 11 to 1 show. Gilmore's Mercedes-Benz Kingscourt. Choose from our huge selection of used Mercedes-Benz vehicles. Gilmore's Mercedes-Benz Kingscourt. The best in motoring, here for you. Oh yeah, excitement has been building for some time now. This cinema is opening in Scotch Hall. It's an all-new laser projection cinema. Omniplex are delighted to be opening this brand new branch in Drogheda just in time for National Cinema Day 2, which is this Saturday. And I'm delighted to have Mark Anderson. He's director of Omniplex Cinemas. He's on the line. How are you getting on, Mark? I'm great, Sinead. Thanks for having me on. Great to have you on the show. Exciting times now for you guys. And it's great news because to have another cinema in the town is fantastic. But this has been a long process for yourselves, Mark. It, it, it's been a long process to get the cinema uh, into Scotch Hall. I think it's been on the cards for about 20 years. Our involvement in Scotch Hall uh, started last December. And it was certainly our priority to get to get the cinema open um, is building on this commenced back in 2018 I believe uh, um, so we, we we got it open finally last Friday and uh, the, it's been received absolutely fantastic I've been up on site nearly every week for the last eight months and it's absolutely incredible to see it finally open and it is really a, a, an, an, an incredible uh, incredible cinema six screen cinema five screens are open at the moment the six screen will open in the next couple of weeks uh, but it's showing a great selection of 
uh, of movies that will cater to all. Oh, they really will. They really will. Now, I'm a regular visitor to Omniplex in the Boyne Centre. I have to pull myself out of those reclining seats each time. (laughs) You guys have upped the level of comfort now, haven't you, at this location? We we have uh, our our Boyne uh, Centre complex is all recline um, in in Scotch Hall. We'll have a mixture. There'll be recline seats in every audit uh, in every auditorium. There'll be standard seats as well as uh, as well as uh, what we're we're putting in standard now is our our double sofa beds in yeah. in in the in the front row. So really, it'll cater to all uh, and uh, all audiences. Uh, the the, the re- electric recliant seats are a little bit more expensive, so it'll cater to all but uh, all budgets as well. That are standard seats, uh, which are incredibly comfortable as well. They are priced um, a little bit more sensitively for uh, uh, for for families, which I think is going to be a, a, a core audience in Scotch Hall. Oh, really well. And I saw I saw the picture of those beds in the front row. Definitely going to have to check them out. Now, as well as this, it's all laser projection. So gone is the sort of reel-to-reel of old. Uh, this is really latest technology stuff. Yeah, a digital projection came in around uh, around 10 years ago. and um, uh, But now that's moved on. So it's gotten away from bulbs and projectors. It's now all laser projection which really gives you a crystal clear image on screen. And it is now the standard and the pinnacle of cinema technology in, in our Omniplex and Scotch Hall. And you mentioned that you have six screens. And I have to say, Mark, I'm delighted to see that you're supporting an Irish film and a local film this week because the brilliant Baz Black is opening his feature length debut film at your cinema tonight. Exciting stuff. Tonight, yes, I'm, I'm going up myself. I might see you there. You will, uh, yeah. Sinead, um, and uh, I, I can't. I haven't seen the movie, and I really like to see uh, um, uh, support. We we re- we have a, a history of supporting local uh, local talent, and um, uh, I, I I really want to see it with with an audience. It does remind me of uh, when we were involved in in the Savoy Cinema in Dublin. <clears throat> Neil Jordan had his. Uh, one of his first movies, A Company of Wolves, and my my father t- turned to me and said, uh, um, as we were welcoming him into the cinema, he said, uh, "Be careful and make sure." And the reason why we do support this is because you never know when these directors, when they strike it big with a big movie, ten years later he was back with Tom Cruise for Interview with the Vampire, and Amazing. two years after that he was there with Liam Neeson for. Michael Collins. So we, we like to stay in with, with local talent and who knows where Baz Black is going to go from well, here. You've just Only put him in the, in the same sentence as Neil Jordan and let me tell you, <laughs> from, from watching this guy and his work, it really is uh, he's a talent to watch and if you, you ha- you're in for such a treat tonight now. If you're into your music films and if you're into punk music, but even if you're not, right, you're going to love this. It's a really feel-good um, comedy, uh, friendship, there's loads going on and it's great crack as well, so you're really in for a treat for this one. Um, now, National Cinema Day, I have to talk to you about this. This is a huge uh, national initiative that's happening on Saturday and of course Omniplex are on board with this as well, offering ridiculously cheap cinema uh, experience on Saturday. Yeah, it's, it's, it's something we, we started last year um, uh, and cinemas in the, in the US and cinemas in the UK uh, got on board for National Cinema Day. The US actually had their National Cinema Day last week, last, uh, last Sunday actually. And UK and Ireland cinemas are offering uh, an incredible price offer of €4 Euros per ticket for every single cinema seat. That's whether it's 
recline, whether it's a standard seat or whether it's a sofa bed, uh, and they're all being sold for four euros. Cinemas are opening early uh, for the day from shows from 10 o'clock in the morning right through until 9 p.m. at night. It's a great opportunity to get to see some of the <clears throat> uh, the films that have been released during the uh, during the summer. Uh, again, there's some great Irish movies like previews like Bally Walter and the Irish language film Tarek, as well as uh, yes. Apocalypse Clown, which is a local movie, and it's it's all supported with uh, with Screen Ireland. So it's great to get them on board as official partners. Oh, it really is great to see them on board. And, you know, cinema took such a knock during COVID, Mark, but thanks to strong support from the public, you know, we've had so many big movies, but particularly Barbie and Oppenheimer uh, this this summer. You've seen huge uh, numbers come back to the cinema, which is great. Yeah, uh, Omniplex uh, broke it, smashed its record for attendance in the first two weeks of uh, uh, Barbie and Oppenheimer. Barbenheimer, we, <laughs> we, we welcomed over, I think it's 700 and 570,000 customers uh, uh, on, on the island in the first two weeks, uh, along with other films like Mission Impossible. So uh, record business for cinemas. It's great to see it, to see it back after the, uh, really the, the, the terrible closures that the, that the industry faced over, uh, over the pandemic. We don't really like to talk about the pandemic because it's certainly in our, in our rear view mirror yes. and we're only looking up. Absolutely. I have to ask you this before you go, Mark. What's your earliest cinema memory? You gave me a great memory there of Neil Jordan. Have you? Do you remember the first time you were brought to the cinema? I don't remember the first time I was brought to the cinema, but I, my biggest memory was sitting in the Ambassador Cinema. I think it was 1982, so I would have been about 10 years old, and I saw The Empire Strikes Back. Oh, amazing. Uh, 1981, 1982, The Empire Strikes Back. My, my, my legs buckled from under me after after I stood up after sitting down for two hours watching it. It was just an incredible experience. And that's my first memory that I that I remember. Uh, but I, I'm, I, we, cinema's been in our, in, in, in our blood for, for three generations. So I know I was at the cinema before 10 years old. It's yeah. just, that's my, my first absolute memory that I, that I remember. Oh, and what a great location as well, the Ambassador Cinema, to check that out. Well, look, Mark, I'm wishing yourself and the team at Omniplex every success with this new cinema. So looking forward to checking it out myself tonight. But thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Sinead. So if you want more information, Cinema Times, all the rest of it, you can check it out, omniplex.ie. There's Dermot Kennedy with Kiss Me on LMFM's 11 to 1. Now, earlier this summer, it was reported that Aretha Franklin's children would be contesting her will in court. Let's just say it has been an ongoing battle since 2018 with this uh, will and estate and there's fractured families and all sorts of difficulties and complications involved. Elaine Byrne, our solicitor, is back with us. She's going to be discussing this and she's going to be discussing how we can avoid this ourselves by making a proper will. She's going to join us next. The 11 to 1 show. Earlier this summer, it was reported that Aretha Franklin's children would be contesting her will in court. So three out of the four children were disputing the validity of documents left by the singer in 2010, dated one, and 2024 was the other one. The singer passed away in 2018 and since then there's been a lot of complications surrounding her will. There's only one woman who can explain all of this. I'm delighted to have solicitor Elaine Byrne from Elaine Byrne Solicitors and at the boy back on the line with me now. How are you getting on, Elaine? Good morning, Sinead. Lovely to talk to you. Great to have you back on the show. Now, this is quite the complex story, Elaine. You've done a lot of work researching this. Thank you so much for that. But take us back to 2018, because initially it was thought that she didn't have a will. So remind us what happens when we don't have a will. 
Yeah, so yeah, so listeners might have heard, yeah, so that our, our brilliant singer Aretha Franklin died in twenty eighteen. And yeah, so it was initially thought that she died without a will. So in Ireland, Sinead, if we pass without a will, we're said to die in testes. So that's the rules of intestacy, which are laid down in our Succession Act of nineteen sixty five apply. So if the amazing Aretha died here in Ireland Mm. so she was divorced and she had four sons so all of her estate would have been divided equally between her four sons so they would each end up with a one quarter share each now I'm when I was reading about it I think that her oldest son who's called Clarence I think that he has additional needs. Okay. So there would be, I suppose, a wee complication um, in relation to his one-quarter share. So there might be an application to court for a decision-making representation order to look after his share. Okay, okay. And you have two different documents with this, right? So one that was discovered, that dated 2010, another 2014. Do we know, are these actually considered a will? Like, like were they done properly? We don't know that, do we? So, yeah, so they were actually found. So the the 2010 document was found in a locked cabinet. Okay. And then the 2014 was literally found under a cushion in a sofa in the house. So the whole case really hinged on whether these documents could be regarded as a will or not. And eventually, so skipping to the end of our story, um, eventually the the later document, the 2014 will, that was considered to be a will. So a question was put before a jury did either of the documents meet with the standards of Michigan law so that they might be considered a will and therefore have legal effect. So the jury found that the the later document, the 2014 will, that that could be considered as a will. Okay, because yeah, there was a lot of different passages that were written that were hard to decipher as well. And that's quite significant as well for people because, you know, so often people might, you know, add things in or write notes and then it's not approved by solicitors. Yeah, so so the two documents, they were written by Aretha herself. And they, like there were similarities uh, to the two of them. So I think both appear to indicate that the four boys would share income from music and copyright. Mm-hmm. But in the later document, so the youngest son, so his name is Kakaf. So Kakaf and grandchildren under the later document would get Aretha's main home in Bloomfield Hills. So at the time it was valued at 1.1 million, but apparently it's worth a lot more today. It was 1.1 million at her time of death. Okay, okay. And then, you know, you had two people in the family that were named as co-executors. And interestingly, one of them stepped down from this. Can you explain what the role of the executor is again? And also the implications around someone that would step down as an executor of a will? Yeah, exactly, Sinead. So how the two documents came about in the first place was that a niece of Aretha Franklin, so her name was Sabrina Owen, so she searched through the house for records. So Sabrina then, along with another child, so I think the third child was called Ted. Mm-hmm. So they were named as co-executors. 
But as you said, Sinead, Sabrina subsequently stepped away from acting as executor. And she filed a letter in a Detroit court and she wrote, Given my aunt's love of family and desire for privacy, this is not what she would have wanted for us, nor is it what I want. So just, I suppose, to remind ourselves and listeners, so an executor is the person who looks after everything when the person has passed. So literally the job starts at time of death. And it means looking after the funeral, um, making sure that everything is done properly. So only an executor initially can see a full copy of the will. They would liaise with the solicitor, with the beneficiaries. So it's a really important role. And I would say that who you pick as executor has such a huge bearing on how matters pan out. Yeah, oh, definitely does, definitely does. So three out of the four children, as you say, involved in this dispute. We have also the child with additional needs. So would there be somebody advocating on on his behalf when this dispute is ongoing? Yeah, so in this case, the oldest child, his name was Clarence, so or is Clarence even. So he lives in assisted housing under a guardianship. Okay. So he wasn't involved in the dispute, but... It was reported that he will receive an undisclosed percentage of the estate. So there was a pre-trial agreement reached between his brothers and his guardian. So he mightn't have been in a position to advocate for himself. So his guardian type person advocated um, on his behalf, Sinead. Okay, so that's that's good. Okay, so the children contest the will in court. So what actually happens in this situation? Because this, like this, is as we say, has been dragging on and on up until just this summer. Yeah, like it's hard to believe. So Aretha Franklin, she died in 2018, and this case was just heard in July of this year. So five years later. Mm. So. The, the the outcome in this case, as you mentioned, was that the later document was found to be a valid will. So that will take effect. But, you know, the time frame involved, you know, which I would say even in an Irish context wouldn't be unusual. You know, okay. it could take five years. Yeah, it, yeah, it could take five years. So, yeah, so in this case, the later will will take effect um, and just carry on, you know, I suppose a, a regular probate without all of the, the course um, will will come into play now. Okay, so tell me what the outcome was, because as we mentioned there, the house at the time of death was valued about 1.8 million. It was uh, a sizable chunk at the end of this court case. Yes, yes. So the I suppose in terms of, say, the value of the estate, so it was a reported that the estate, that it was initially valued to need at $18 million, but there was a massive amount of tax to pay here. So in America, they have federal income taxes, and then there are taxes owed by the heirs as well. So when the matter came to court, there was an accounting document, and it referred to $4.1 million in personal property and real estate. Um, it didn't take into account any future earnings, though, from okay. her estate licensing rights. Right, um, and and you saw the legal bill as well, Elaine. Talk about now giving lawyers a bad name. This was a huge, huge bill. 
Yes, exactly, Sinead. This is why uh, lawyers can get such a bad reputation. So the legal bill here, and I, you know, and I suppose given that we've just said that the the size of the estate was 4.1 million, yeah. so just to put it into context, the legal bill was reported to have been $900,000, so nearly $1 million, which is just frightening isn't it it really is it really is that is just so so crazy uh but you know can the, uh, the siblings now so this this outcome was that the um that only just one of the one of the kids got this isn't that the outcome yeah so it was the outcome yeah is that the the terms as per the later will so that will that will come into effect um and i suppose the you know, in certain circumstances, there can be the possibility of an appeal. But here, there was a jury. You know, it's gone on five years already. So, look, I think this is the end of it. And I'm sure the family are just happy and relieved that it's over and that everybody can move on with their lives. Well, that's it. Absolutely. So, you know, the this is kind of a lesson to us. And it brings us nicely, actually, to a similar case in Ireland that you discovered involving the estate of the late John Murphy from Nace. Yeah, so so one of the points I think for us all to bear in mind is that if we go to court, that in general it's held in public so that any of your brilliant colleagues, Sinead, can report in yep. full detail on it. So um, so this uh, case, you know, it's not dissimilar. So it was a gentleman and he was late of Nace in County Kildare. So he, he or the case was reported last July just gone. So he died in 2021. He wasn't married. He didn't have children. So he left a house and lands and money in a credit union. So he named his brother as executor. So the executor then was the defendant in the action. And then three beneficiaries brought a case, Sinead. And basically they said that the will in their words, was hopelessly confusing, contradictory and void in whole or in part for uncertainty. So Mr. Murphy here, so he actually, and I think Anise assisted him, so he completed his will using an online will template. So, oh, you know, listen. Like you, you can get these templates online. I know what you're talking about, Elaine. This is not the way. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, you know, I think this case actually, so the the matter went before, so our probate uh, judge, she's the High Court probate judge, her name is Miss Justice Siobhan Stapp. So she actually, when she gave her judgment, she cautioned against the downloading of templates of wills yep. from the internet. So she said that it is an extremely unsafe method for ensuring one's intentions are carried out after death. And she actually urged members of the public to make a will with professional advice and then to update it from time to time. Yeah, so important and and not to listen. Don't be going the, the the Google route, people. This is not. This is why we have people like like Elaine. So just to recap, Elaine, these two cases, you know, they're really teaching us valuable lessons, really, aren't they, about making a will properly with a solicitor? Yeah. Look. And I suppose I'm always conscious that I am a solicitor, but I would say, and, you know, maybe even when we spoke about the cost there in the case of Aretha Franklin, like the cost of making a will, it's, it's modest. It's, yeah. You know, a few hundred euro, it's modest. But if we compare that against the cost of going to litigation, 
And also the the fact, you know, when I think of the, the case of the gentleman there in Nice, mm. shows that everything is up for public discussion. There's yeah. no secrets. And then, I mean, we can imagine the, the rift in a family if there's a case. So all things considered, you know, really, it is so much more beneficial to get really good advice at the time of making a will and make a very clear will, have it as tight as we possibly can to avoid all of these unintended consequences. Oh, it certainly is. Yeah, Uh, it really is. It really is. Elaine, as always, thank you for going through all of that with us and for making the scary legal process less scary for us. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much. I just, I love talking to you, Sinead. Thanks a million. Thanks a million. Elaine Byrne there. If you want to get in touch with her, by the way, ElaineByrneSolicitors.ie. Okay, that is her uh, website. She also has a phone number here as well. If you'd want it, we'll keep it here for you at reception, but it's 046 94 treble one So it's 046 94 treble one The 11 to 1 Show With Gilly. Now it's time to go back in time. LMFM Northeast Update with Senator Windows. Senator Windows products will help you create a secure, comfortable, energy efficient home you're proud of. Call 0818 Going back to 2015 on this day in 2015, rap artist Kanye West announces he will run for president in 2020 at the MTV Video Music Awards. And today is National Grief Awareness Day. Sometimes even the brightest of days can be dark with the difficulties of life rearing its ugly head. But there's a silver lining. There are those that are willing to help us. So it's all about love looking at grief, raising awareness and how to cope. So National Grief Awareness Day today. LMFM Northeast Update with Senator Windows. Creating the perfect home is a journey. Let us guide you. Visit our Drogheda, Dundalk and new Navin showrooms. Discover more at senatorwindows.ie. Someone asking how much is it to make a will in 086 1800 658. I don't have the exact figure to mind but as Elaine said towards the end if you missed it it's literally a couple of hundred quid you know and she was just saying in terms of the, the you know what could happen down the line if it's not made properly or done you could be caused, causing a huge cost to your family okay so you know elainebarnsolicitors.ie that's uh, where you can get more information on that now on the way after 12 it is back it's lo- I love it every single month it is Word Foolery Wednesday with Grace Tierney and it's the time of the month where she brings us weird and wonderful origin stories behind words and every month she has a mystery word and this week <laughs> it's, a bam- it's, it's a big one right I'm just hoping I'm going to pronounce this right so the mystery word Ram Feaslid right Ram Feaslid or A.M. F-E-E-Z-L-E-D. She's brought out an absolute doozy this month. So what do we think that means? Now, the only um, sort of uh, prerequisite to this is you're not allowed Google it, right? This is just for the bit of crack. I want to know, what does Ram Feaslid mean? What does that actually mean? I'm thinking, you know, is it a Pokemon? <laughs> that's, that's, that's what immediately has come to mind. Is it a Ram, sort of Ram-like Pokemon? 
That's my guess for what this means. The wrong answer is what I want. And I have up for grabs Old God's Time. It's a book by Sebastian Barry. It was twice winner of the Costa Book of the Year and it centres on a retired policeman, Tom Kettle. He's settling into the quiet of a new home uh, which is annexed to a Victorian castle. For months he's barely seen a soul. However, his eccentric landlord and nervous young mother have moved in and it's uh, all about um, sort of a mystery as well. Two former colleagues turn up at his door with questions about a decades old case so old god's time is up for grab grabs but what does ram fieslid mean or a m f double e z l e d answers wrong answers to 086 658 that uh, word fill you with grace coming up after 12 the 11 to 1 show with gilmore's mercedes-benz king's is it a male sheep that has just been sheared, says John in Balmacheny. Uh, this is our mystery word, Ram Fieslid. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, or A-M-F-E-E-Z-L-E-D. What does it mean? What is it? This is our mystery word, all thanks to author Grace Tierney. Word foolery on the way very shortly, but I do have a book up for grabs. It's Sebastian Barry's Old God's Time is up for grabs for the wrong answer right to what that word actually means do not google it we will know if you've googled it so all unintelligent answers to 086 658 so I was telling you about this right so this book is twice winner of the Costa book of the year and it focuses on retired policeman Tom Kettle. He is uh, settling into the quiet of his new home, a lean-to annexed to a Victorian castle. And uh, for months he's barely seen a soul. He catches kind of glimpses of his eccentric landlord and a nervous young mother who's moved in next door. So uh, he... Four, two former colleagues turn up at his door with questions about a decades old case, one which Tom never came to terms with. And this is all, you know, fantastic mystery, kind of, you know, real page turner. OK, so Sebastian Barry, old God's time. Just tell me, what the heck does Ram Fieslid mean? 86 658 Anna would stay on LMFM's 11 to 1. Sinead Brazel here with you and we are running a fantastic competition all this week. Yes. LMFM wants to send you to Paris to watch the big one. Ireland versus South Africa. It is on September 23rd so you could be winning the ultimate rugby experience. What are we giving you? Well, there's return flights, three nights in Paris and a gold category match tickets as well with hospitality. So it's an unbelievable prize to be won. And what a great opportunity to support Johnny Sexton and the team. And entering could not be easier. So far we have Ashling Concanon from Monday and Candice Whitfield was yesterday's qualifier. Candice is actually a South African living in Ireland for the last two years. So... <laughs> Not sure what side of the fence. Maybe she's going to support both of them if she wins. But it could be you alongside the ladies as a qualifier. Entering couldn't be easier. Just text LMFM to 57886. That simple. LMFM to the number 57886. Okay. Text will cost you €2.50 plus your standard rate. You have to be over 18 to enter. And of course, you're playing across the Wireless Ireland network of stations. Lines will close at 5pm today. We're going to call one of you back at random. You need to answer our test of skill. It's very easy though. And you could be qualifying for the final draw on September 4th alongside Ashling and Candice. So, what about it? Paris. 
Watching Ireland take on South Africa September 23rd. So LMFM to 57886 and the best of luck. Don't forget full terms and conditions are on lmfm.ie. The Buzz on LMFM. Keep up to date with all the latest news and gossip on the LMFM app. Hi, I'm Max. Breaking Bad actor Brian Cranston is on the picket line for the Hollywood strike. Actors and writers are protesting the use of AI in Hollywood. Brian says that the new contract would require things to be produced by only humans. This contract will have a sentence in there that states actors must be human beings. That's, this is mind-boggling. We've never had to imagine that before, but that's here right now. It's possible of happening right now. And we have to step in and say, you are dehumanizing the workforce. And it, it cannot continue. Taylor Swift has become the first female artist in history to reach over 100 million monthly listeners on Spotify. Her and The Weeknd are the only artists to have ever achieved this. Swift's smash hit album Midnight's was announced this time last year. Five of America's most famous late-night hosts have united to do a podcast together. The podcast series will be called Strike Force 5 and premieres today. It will feature Jimmy Kimmel, Jimmy Fallon, Seth Meyers, Stephen Colbert and John Oliver. Hi, I'm Jimmy Fallon. I'm Stephen Colbert. I'm Jimmy Kimmel. I thought when you said Jimmy, you meant me, Jimmy, but you meant Jimmy, Jimmy. I always mean you. But when you say Seth Seth Meyers, who do you mean? I mean John Oliver. <laughs> the five of us together for uh, maybe an hour a, a day. That's the buzz. I'm Max. The buzz on LMFM. Keep up to date with all the latest news and gossip on the LMFM app. Now getting back to the music, here's Jazzy and LMFM's 11 to 1, Giving Me. Okay, so no surprises, but I've been pronouncing the mystery word wrong. I'm so sorry. Ramfeasled. Ramfeasled. That's the correct pronunciation. I should really check these things before I open my mouth. But there you go. We are getting some suggestions in on 0861800658. Do keep them coming in. What does that word mean? Who knows? It is, I was going to say a fun word to say, but no, it's a complicated word for me to say. Ramfeasled. We're going to be talking all things word foolery with author Grace Tierney next. It's time for Word Foolery Wednesday. Wednesday on LMFM with Grace Tierney. Yes, Word Fillery Wednesday, the time of the month where author Grace Tierney from Stamolin brings us the weird and wonderful origin stories behind words we use every day and words we should use more often. And it's great to have Grace back on the line. How are you getting on, Grace? I'm very well. It's lovely to talk to you. Great to have you. Now, uh, Neanderthal is our first word here on the list. Um, I'm loving this. I mean, I think we know what this is, but you no doubt have a great story behind this one. Uh, I think I do. (laughs) That's a matter of opinion. Uh, Yeah, you probably know what a Neanderthal is, but it's kind of fun how the history is done because it's named for both a person and for a place. And that's actually pretty unusual. Uh, But first of all, what does it actually mean? So it's defined as an extinct species of human that was widely distributed during the Ice Age in Europe. Uh, So pretty old, right? So you'd think the word is pretty old as well, but it's not. It dates back in English to the 1860s and it referred to a particular extinct hominid from Neanderthal in Germany, where their fossilized remains had been found in 1856. 
So Neanderthal is actually two separate words. It's the name of a river gorge near Dusseldorf and Thal means valley, apparently. Um, So that's grand. It's named after where they were found. Mm. Straightforward. But the place name comes from a person. So it comes from a guy called Joachim Neumann. Uh, He lived during the 1600s and he was a German pastor, poet and writer of hymns. And he particularly loved this river valley. So in my mind, at least that means he sat on the side of the gorge and wrote his poems and sermons and things. Right. Now, Neumann is a pretty common German surname and it translates literally as new man. And in Greek, it would have been Neoander. So that's how we get Neanderthal. I don't know if you can hear it. Yeah, um, yeah. So it was quite popular in Germany during his time period to adopt a Greek or Latin form of your surname, I think, just to be kind of swanky, right? So instead of calling himself Neumann, he called himself Neander because of the Greek connection. And that's how we get Neanderthal. So it's literally New Man Valley. And I just think it's perfect that the, the word for a man, it was a new man that gave his name to the place where a new form of human was actually found. I just think that's so fitting. Um, of course, Neanderthal is also used to slag people off yeah. sometimes. And that's been with us since the 1920s. But actually, the science behind all of this, which I don't fully understand, apparently doesn't support that idea at all. They weren't particularly thick or knuckle dragging at all. We just have a sense of superiority. It's it's not true. So we've no idea if Neanderthals enjoyed poetry, but certainly a poet gave them his name thanks to a beautiful river valley in Germany where they both spent time. I love that. I just have that image of him sitting, as you say, on the River Valley, conducting his poems and coming up with these fantastic words. Now, uh, sarcasm. I do love a bit of sarcasm. I think a lot of people do. A lot of people, Irish people love being sarcastic. I think it's a national sport or hobby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Maybe sport because people can get injured. (laughs) Yeah, sarcasm. I love sarcasm. Anyway, I try to keep it on the down low when I'm talking to you. I won't be mean. Um, (laughs) However, this one, I'm kind of doing a pair of words, okay? Okay. Because sometimes words can be cousins and interrelated in weird ways. So uh, this month I came across a good pair and it's sarcasm and sarcophagus. Okay. Now, I saw those and went, there's no way they can be related. But okay, admittedly, they start with the same four letters. But after that, I can't possibly. But it is and in kind of a fun way. But we'll look at sarcasm first. Um, My favourite form of humour. And according to Oscar Wilde, the lowest form of wit, but the highest form of intelligence. Ooh, like it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm using that the next time. So yeah. it's out to me. Because um, you always get the, oh, don't do that. It's the lowest form of wit. But they never tell you the second half. Yeah. Highest form of intelligence. Right. So it's been with us in English since the 1570s. So we've been sarcastic for quite a while in English. Uh, It was spelled slightly differently. It was sarcasmus, but it's the same word. And it was defined as a biting taunt or satirical remark. Now, I want you to note, so a biting taunt, that's mm-hmm. our first mention of biting. We'll okay. Back to that. Yeah, right. yeah. Sarcasmus was a borrowing from Latin and before that from Greek, which was sarcasmus, but spelt differently with a K. Um, so apparently even the ancient Greeks were sarcastic. Good to know. Uh, sarcasmus has its roots in a verb, sarcasine, to speak bitterly or to sneer. And it translates literally as to strip off the flesh like a dog. Ooh. Which is interesting. Yeah. yeah. I know, it gets a bit grim. Oh, this, <laughs> we're going very grim with this one. Brace okay. yourselves. Okay. Uh, so we've got sarks or sarcos, uh, translated as a flesh or a piece of meat. So this is our second mention of biting. Okay? Yeah. Theme emerging. Now, now we're going to move on to sarcophagus. 
So you may think the whole dog biting thing was a bit grim on sarcasm, but now we're going next level with sarcophagus. So the word enters English around the year 1600 to describe not the Egyptian coffins themselves, which is what a sarcophagus is, Mm -hmm. um, but the type of stone that was used to make them. It came from the same word in Latin and before that from Greek, but in Greek it was sarcophagus lithos, which translates as limestone used for coffin. So sarcophagus actually translates as flesh eating. Ooh, okay, right. Yeah, I should have kept this one for Halloween. I was just thinking this morning, I should have. Anyway, so apparently the idea was that there was a particular type of limestone which they quarried near Assos in what is now modern day Turkey, because I looked it up, um, helped to quickly decompose bodies. Now, given all the effort the Egyptians put into preserving their dead, I'm kind of surprised that they favoured this stone, but whatever they did and they were famous for it. And the word itself is compounded from sarks, flesh and fagin, the verb to eat. So you might recall sarks. We had that in sarcasm as well. That's how the words are cousins. So the first four letters in sarcasm and sarcophagus all come from sarks. So they're joined, right? So for 100 years, the word sarcophagus in English had nothing to do with coffins. It was about the actual type of stone. By the 1700s, they finally go, okay, stone coffins are sarcophagus. This is shortened in Latin to sarcus, and this gives us the word for coffin in French, which is a circule, in German, a sarg, and zerk, which was tombstone in Dutch. So it's all related to death and coffins and all that stuff. So I don't think I'm really keen on the idea of a flesh eating coffin personally. So I think I'll keep the sarcasm and skip the sarcophagus. (laughs) Anytime someone's sarcastic now, I'm going to be like flesh eating coffins. That's all I'm going to think of. Oh, that's absolutely brilliant. Um, Okay, so moving to our next one. Haven't had a lot of these this summer because it's been lashing rain, but picnic. I know I picked this one a few weeks ago and I thought surely it'll be nicer weather by the end of August. (laughs) Yeah, because there hasn't been enough picnics in my family anyway. But anyway, perhaps at the end of the school holidays now, there's a bit of pressure to throw one last picnic and occasionally we get nice weather in September. So we'll see. So if you're hoping for one, here's the history of the word to entertain your guests. So picnic began life as a French word in the 1600s where it was picnic. So it just spelled slightly differently. And it meant to pick at a selection of dishes, which sounds quite nice. Mm. So it would have been a spread of treats a bit like Spanish tapas or Italian antipasti, you know, that type of thing. By the 1800s, picnics had made it to England and there the idea changed a little bit. So it became a social event where everybody brought a dish of their own. So this is a bit like a modern potluck supper in America. I don't know if you've come across those. So there were even picnic societies, which I love the idea of. So this is amongst the upper class. So everybody would bring one special dish, like their absolute best creation would be brought and then they all got to sample them, which I think should come back personally. Um, those of us who read Ina Blyton as a child, I don't yeah. know, Ina Blyton girl. Yeah. Okay. So you'd also be aware of the later English picnics that were all boiled eggs, slabs of cake. Ginger spam. beer. Lashings of ginger beer. I had to get that in. <laughs> those books always made me so hungry. I and know, I yeah. tell you, the picnics that we made at home were never no, that no. level. They, they were really soggy, were. you know, ham sandwiches did not compare to the, the delicacies of the children, a famous five crew that they would have. Yeah, you're absolutely bringing so me back jealous. with that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, just so jealous. And there was always sand in our picnics, yeah. <laughs> usually at a beach or near a beach. And there was always sand. I don't know how they got in. And, and tea from a thermos flask. Oh, yeah. So look, 
picnics, they had historically very high standards. Now, this puts a lot of pressure on the host of a late August picnic in modern Ireland this week. So perhaps if you are telling this story to your guests, make them all bring a dish. Yes. Share the pressure. That's what I say. Absolutely. Share the pressure. Speaking of pressure, <laughs> our mystery word this week, Ram Fiesled. Talk to, me, talk to me about now, you know, first of all, before we get into the, the listeners' uh, fantastic suggestions, uh, like, do you just like pick words that are like ridiculous for me to pronounce? Is this what happens in your mind, Grace? Uh, I, I couldn't possibly comment. That might. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to plead the fifth on that one. <laughs> yeah. OK, so we've got great ones coming in. We're looking for the wrong answers, by the way. And there is this lovely book, Old God's Time, up for grabs, Sebastian Barry's book. So we are getting everything from, does it mean that you're frustrated? Well, that could make sense. My guess, by the way, was it's a form, form of uh, ram-like Pokemon. That was my guess. Um, does it mean there's too many rams in a field, says one. A lot of people going on the sheep uh, thing. Hi Sinead, it sounds like a ram having fun in a field full of ewes, says Hilary. Uh, also in the same kind of, but slightly different. Uh, is it a female sheep that has had a lucky, unexpected encounter with a ram, says Wendy Andrada. Or John saying, is it a ram male sheep that has been sheared? So something tells me, knowing you, it has absolutely nothing to do with sheep. Well, you know, I couldn't be obvious. Like, <laughs> that just wouldn't be okay at all. <laughs> Uh, long-time listeners should, well, no, there's no way you're going to remember. No, we have gonna, mentioned no. Ram before and I'm going to explain it again. But yeah, sheep, you're off. You're off track with the sheep ones, lads. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> so what does it actually mean? OK, so it's a Scottish word. Uh, so I suppose we should have been putting on our Scottish accent. Oh, we should have. Yeah, yeah. I'm not good enough at accents. I'm not going to try. Uh, it's from the 1700s. And it means to be so exhausted that everything is in total chaos. Oh, so someone that was kind of on the frustrated kind of was on like it was a feeling oh, well, at yeah. least. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, they're in the same vibe there at least. Yeah. Um, I just I, I thought it was the perfect word for this time of year. Um, so Ram, uh, we have actually discussed previously on the show. I can't remember what what sometime earlier this year, it's a prefix that's used as an intensifier or a booster. So if you were tired and you said, I'm ram tired, it means you're even more tired. Okay. Makes any sense. Um, it's not used so much in mainstream English, but it's Scottish English it is. Uh, feasled is a bit harder to trace. So to feasel uh, means to wriggle, to foozle, which I love, oh, yeah. um, means to waste your time. I think I do a lot of foozling. Um, oh, but I, that's like have... a teacher word now, isn't it? Yeah, stop that foozling <laughs> stop that at foozling. the back of the class. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what it would be. Yeah, I think I do a lot of foozling. Anyway, um, however, they also have fees, so without the L. And that means to work incessantly like a dog's wagging tail. So you're just going round and round and round. Okay. I think that seems the most likely of the three. So if you were ram, feasled, you were just like working so hard that you couldn't even stop. So it was first used by the Scottish poet Robbie Burns. We don't know if he invented it, but he's certainly the first one to use it in print. Um, and it was a, a poem of his which featured a woman who was so overworked that her head became dizzy uh, because she'd had such a busy month which I so identify with. So I reckon this <laughs> one's dedicated to the parents, teachers and students oh, yeah. that are like in back to school mode. They yeah. are all ram feasled. <laughs> I love it. Absolutely brilliant. Uh, that is our lot for today though, Grace. Thank you so, so much for joining us with all of those fantastic words. We'll chat to you again next month. Absolutely. I'll try and find something really hard to pronounce for you. <laughs> 
I thought she was going to say easy. Oh, you're wicked. <laughs> wicked girl, wicked girl. We'll talk to you next month. Grace Tierney there. If you want to catch uh, Grace's blog and you can get her books at wordfillery.wordpress.com and I can say, Wendy, you are getting our book for your fantastic suggestion of Ram Fiesel as a, a female sheep that had a lucky, unexpected encounter with a ram. We'll get that book out to you. Now, getting back to uh, the present moment, quick break and we're back with music from Jerry Fish. The 11 to 1 show. Jerry Fish and the Mudbug Club, True Friends and LMFM's 11 to 1. I have a little competition today. Yes, I want to give you a chance to win tickets to Declan Nurney's Dancing Night. It's on this Friday in the Hertford Arms Kells with special guests John Hogan and John McNichol. Let's keep it simple. If you'd like to win a pair of tickets, all you have to do is WhatsApp or text me the word Declan, followed by your own details to 086-1800-658. So simple. So, so simple. So Declan Ernie's Dancing Night this Friday, Hedford Arms Cal's special guests, John Hogan and John McNichol. Uh, Dick Declan to 086-1800-658. LMFM Job Search with Local Heroes. Backed by Bordgosh Energy. Replace your old inefficient gas boiler with Local Heroes. Visit localheroes.ie. Mr. Price Dundalk requires assistant managers for their Dundalk stores. To apply, you can contact recruitment at mrprice.ie. DK Motors requires both qualified mechanics and apprentice mechanics to join their team at Kilberry Cross in Navin. Please send your CV to Derek at dkmotors.ie. Amstrau Corporate Services Limited require an assistant company secretary for their Drogheda office. Prior experience in a co-sec or legal secretarial function is needed. Please email your CV to Ursula. She's ursula.smith at amstrau.com. Don't forget all the details of those jobs can be found on our local job search on lmfm.ie. LMFM Job Search with Local Heroes backed by Gosh Energy for gas boilers, heat pumps and electric vehicle charge point installation. Visit localheroes.ie James Morrison and Nelly Furtado Broken Strings. She's actually going to be collaborating back to music again. She's coming with Timberland and Justin Timberlake. Apparently they're recording a record. There you go. Uh, just want to let people know the Irish Blood Transfusion Service mobile unit is going to be located in the TLT in Drogheda today and tomorrow from 3.50pm to 8pm. Okay. It's also going to be in St Mary's Primary School, Cross Route, Bryanstown, Drogheda next Monday the 4th and Tuesday the 5th of September from 5.30pm to 9pm and uh, blood supplies are extremely low at the moment so they are really encouraging people to give blood. So today at the TLT and tomorrow from 3.50 to 8pm. The 11 to 1 show. It's day two at Bellustown Races. Full card starting there from 4.05pm. There's going to be a shuttle bus as well from the Abbey Car Park in Drogheda beside the courthouse and that's going to depart at 3pm. Also, Meath team and management are going to be in attendance with the Talton Cup. They're going to have uh, themselves available for photos there with fans so you can find out more details. Bellustown Races on Facebook. Back to the music. Here's Boys Own. There's boys on no matter what on LMFM's 11 to 1. Hilary Kavanagh in Kells. You're going along to the Hedford Arms this Friday to see Declan Nerney. That is our lot on the show for today. Thank you so much to my guests and to you for your company. I'll chat to you tomorrow.
Listen back to the 11 to 1 show podcast on lmfm.ie or the LMFM app. With Gilmore's Mercedes-Benz Kingscourt, choose from our huge selection of used Mercedes-Benz vehicles. Gilmore's Mercedes-Benz Kingscourt, the best in motoring, here for you. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Confidence starts with loving who you are. And when your skin feels nourished and glows on the outside, you naturally radiate confidence from the inside. Give your skin a glow up with Osea's clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This ultra-hydrating body care features two of Osea's bestsellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. These seaweed-powered heroes use skincare-level ingredients normally reserved for your face for results you can see and confidence you can feel. Osea has been making clean, clinically proven seaweed-infused face and body care products for over 28 years. This luxurious skincare is vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com, code GLOW.